One, two, three. They wore red silk bandanas on their heads, golden earrings, and they cut up the fruit for us to taste with long, sharp knives. These are all the ways I'm hearing the snow. We love story! It's time for the apple seed, filled with stories for you and your family. Since 2013, we've been bringing you tall tales and personal tales and fairy tales and folk tales and historical tales and more, all kinds of tales from all kinds of tellers. I'm Sam Payne, your host. It's such a pleasure for me to be with you, such a pleasure every time you tune in to bring these stories into your home and into your heart. There's a lot of special stuff coming up today. We're going to hear a story from Willie Claflin called Piggy Wiggy, kind of a fractured fairy tale that you're going to love. You're going to hear a story from Dan Kedding called The Gypsy Wagon, a story from that great Chicago storyteller. You'll hear an entry of the Radio Family Journal about my grandpa's old Mercedes. And you'll hear a conversation with Rachel Wadham about the book Ten Ways to Hear Snow. Now, a lot of the stories that we're going to bring you today are animal stories. And we always say that most animal stories are really stories about people. After all, the world is full of people who are in one way or another, like the animals in the stories. And later in the hour, you're going to meet a little clan of fantastic flying squirrels in a radio drama set among the animals in the San Fernando Zoo. Lions, snakes, owls, and of course, the heroic flying squirrels at the center of the story await. It's a tale full of talking critters that you're sure to love, and it's coming up again a little later in the hour. We're going to begin our hour together with a story from Willie Claflin, the great Bay Area storyteller, lived for so many years in Maine and tells stories, sometimes along with his storytelling companion, a puppet named Maynard Moose. We've brought a lot of Maynard Moose stories to the Appleseed and a lot of Willie Claflin tales, too. And Woody Claflin specializes in the fracturing of fairy tales, taking familiar stories and giving them a twist that is hilarious or heartfelt in a way that makes a Willie Claflin tale a real delight to hear. This one recorded live before an audience. It's from a collection of stories called Sleeping Beastly and Other Tales. Happy to bring you the fractured fairy tale, Piggy Wiggy. Delivered by Maynard Moose, the storytelling companion of storyteller Willie Claflin. Happy to bring it to you here on the Appleseed. Let's see, um, <clears throat> I wonder, let's see, um, a couple more stories here. I think maybe I'm going to do a Piggy Wiggy. This is, this is, Piggy Wiggy is a traditional moose tale that mooses like the best. Because when they sit around the campfire in the forest... They get to make the amunal sound. For the moose. This big privilege for the moose. So I will, I will teach you. the am- Lucky you, I will teach you the amunal sound for this story. And if you wish to participate, when the time comes, you may. You do not have to participate. If you wish to wreck the telling experience, that is just fine. You don't have to participate at all. There's nothing to me. Anyway, there is two, um, two amunal sounds. First amunal sound is the sound of piggy-wiggy, which go like this. So we try that on the count of three. <clears throat> One, two, three. <sighs> yeah, well, that was um, enthusiastic, but not so timely. <clears throat> <laughs> 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 
Other sound is doggy sound. Go, woof. Let's try this. One, two, three. Woof. Yeah, not bad. Okay. So communal piggy and doggy sound have been established. Now we have to figure out where to stick them in the story. Okay, let's see. Um, try not to get nervous and think about it ahead of time. <clears throat> that is the important part. Live for the moment and all will be well. Okay. Piggy Wiggy, traditional moof tale with audience participation by Maynard Moose. I will be the narrator on this particular occasion. Once there was an old woman lived over the hill. If she ain't moved away, she living there still. And one night her had a dream sended to her by Mother Moose. And in the dream, the old woman was singing this song. Piggy Wiggy, Wiggy Pig, how I dove not give a fig. If the sky be black with blue, long as I have me with you. Piggy Wiggy, Wiggy Pig, how I dove not give a fig. And in the dream, in the dream there was a little Piggy Wiggy singing harmony. Like that. Well, when the old woman wake up, her know her have to try to make the dream come true. Because when Mother Moose send the dream, you have to try to make it come true. So to market, to market her go, to buy a nice piggy-wiggy, and then home again with the piggy-wiggy, home again jiggity-jig, but on the way home they come to a fence, and in the fence there is a stile, and the piggy will not fit through the stile. So come on, say the old woman, jump over the stile so we can get home tonight. But the piggy-wiggy shake the head and will not jump over the stile. Come on, say the old woman, jump over the stile, piggy-wiggy. But the piggy-wiggy shake the head and will not jump over the stile. Gee, say the old woman, what am I going to do now? But lucky for her, there was a doggy coming down the road. <laughs> doggy sniffing a stump. <laughs> Ooh, sniff this stump. <laughs> Ooh, I, 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 I wonder what that was. Ooh, <laughs> old woman, come here, sniff this stump. <laughs> Deb, I do not want to sniff this stump, say the old woman. I, doggy woggy, I want you to bite Piggy Wiggy so Piggy Wiggy will jump over this stile. Kaboing! And we will get home tonight. But a doggy is too interestable and sniffs to stump. <laughs> We're the new sniff. <laughs> old woman, come here, sniff this stump. Thou fool, say the old woman, sniff your own stump. And down the road her go. Dum -de -dum -de -dum -de -dum. Till her come to a stick lying in the path. Hey, sticky wicky, say the old woman. Hey, sticky wicky, go whomp, doggy wuggy, because doggy wuggy won't bite piggy wiggy, and piggy wiggy will not jump over the stile, kaboing, kaboing, and we will not get home tonight. But the stick say, my name is not Sticky Wiki. <laughs> my name is Stick, and I am lying here exploring my stickness. <laughs> Thou foo, say the old woman, or give the stick a kick. Explore that, say the old woman. <laughs> Down the road her go till her come to snap, crackle, fire. Hey, snap, crackle, say the old woman. Hey, snap, crackle, go burn Sticky Wiki, because Sticky Wiki won't whomp doggy woggy. And Doggy Woggy will not bite Piggy Wiggy. And Piggy Wiggy will not jump over the stile. Kaboing, kaboing, and I ain't never going to get home tonight. But the fire just goes snap, crackle. What's the matter from you, say the old woman? You do not understand English? I say go burn Sticky Wiggy. But it was not an English-speaking fire, and it did not understand a word. <laughs> Thou fool, say the old woman, her kick to fire, but by accidental her set the shoe on fire. Help, help, say the old woman, her hop down the road upon the unburning shoe. Boing, 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 with a flaming foot stuck up in the air. Help, fire, fire, till her come to a pool. Sploop, or stick the burning shoe into the pool. Sploop. I beg your pardon, say the pool. Oh, excuse me, say the old woman, I, but thank you for putting out my shoe. I wonder, could you go put out Snap Crackle Fire? Because Snap Crackle Fire won't burn Sticky Wicky, and Sticky Wicky won't whomp Doggy Woggy. And Doggy Woggy will not bite Piggy Wiggy. And Piggy Wiggy will not jump over to style kaboing, 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 and ain't never going to get home tonight. But the pool say, 
I am a peaceful pool. <laughs> I reflectify the moon and stars and birdies flying overhead while gold and silver fishies swim within, and I do not wish to be embroiled in domestic disputes. That's pool talk for nope, ain't gonna help you. <laughs> that old woman, her angrified fool, saved the old woman, her kicked the pool, spoop, and down the road her go with the soggy shoe. Yeah, down the road, stomp, stomp, squelch, squelch, go the old woman, her feeling kind of discouragedified. Gee, say the old woman, I do not know, I do not know what I am going to do now, and all of a sudden her see a beautiful, handsome moose. <laughs> a noble beef with brown fur and beautiful antlers munching the moose moth. Ooh, it make my heart go pity pat. Look at that beautiful moose, said the old woman. Nature is the most wonderful amunal. <laughs> hey, moose caboose, go drink Splissy Splassy, because Splissy Splassy won't put out Snap Crackle, and Snap Crackle won't burn Sticky Wicky, and Sticky Wicky won't whomp Doggy Woggy, <laughs> and Doggy Woggy won't bite Piggy Wiggy, <laughs> and Piggy Wiggy will not jump over to style Boing Boing, and I ain't never going to get home tonight. But the moose say, <laughs> Yeah, I cannot understand you with your face, full, said the old one. Speak plain. Well, let's choose this moose moth, say the moose. Now, foo, say the old one, but her do not kick the moose. If bad luck to kick a moose. Especially very bad luck to kick a big moose. And down the road go the old one till her come to a hunter with a great big gun. Hey, hunter, kablam, say the old woman. Hey, hunter, kablam, go shoot that moose, because the moose will not drink splissy splassy, and splissy splassy will not put out snap crackle. Snap crackle won't burn sticky wicky. Sticky wicky won't whomp doggy woggy. <laughs> doggy woggy won't bite piggy wicky. <laughs> piggy wicky will not jump over this file. Kaboing, kaboing, kaboing. He ain't never going to get home tonight. But the hunters say, <clears throat> sorry, ma'am, it's not moose hunting season until the 14th of October. I do not have a moose hunting permit. Sorry, ma'am. <laughs> Thou permit schmermit, say the old woman. Go blast that moose. No, sorry, ma'am, said the hunter, but I would not disregard our fine nation's laws that have served us so well throughout our glorious history. Thou wimp, sissy, say the old woman, down the road her stump. We're getting real discouragedified, but by and by her see a rope doing some rope tricks. Hey, hey, ropey dopey, say the old woman. Hey, ropey dopey, go hang the hunter, because the hunter won't blam, shoot the moose, the moose won't glump, 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 roo, won't spluce, go drink the water, splash, won't put out snap crackle, and it won't burn, burn sticky wicky, and sticky wicky won't whomp doggy wuggy, woof, and doggy wuggy won't bite piggy wiggy, and piggy wiggy will not jump over to style boing, 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 and we ain't never going to get home tonight. But the ropes say, old woman, I must go to the rodeo with these rope tricks. Watch this. Triple lasso with a double clove hitch. Zoing, 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 gadoop, gadoop, gadoop. Thou foo, say the old woman, I hope, I hope you unravel all over the ground. Her goes stomping down the road, her real discouraged if I beginning to get dark. By and by her see a little rat in a three-piece suit. <laughs> he got a little briefcase. Hey, ratty natty, say the old woman. Hey, ratty natty, go chew ropey doby, because ropey doby won't hang the hunter, and the hunter blam won't shoot the moose, and the moose glumph will not drink splissy splassy, splissy splassy will not put out snap crackle, won't burn sticky wicky, will not whomp doggy woggy, <laughs> doggy woggy will not bite piggy wiggy, <laughs> piggy wiggy will not jump over the style, boing, boing, boing. I ain't never going to get home tonight. <sighs> but the rats say, I'm sorry, old woman, but I am very, very late for an extremely important rat convention in the town of Hamlin. I must, I must hurry, I must hurry, I must hurry. I must not be detained. Thou foo, say the old woman, a, a, a plague upon you. And down the road her go. Till <laughs> finally her come to a kitty cat. Kittum whittums, say the old woman. Fuzzy kittum whittums, little pussy whittums. Go chase Ratty Nanny, because Ratty Nanny won't chew Ropey Doby, and Ropey Doby won't go hang the hunter and the hunter. Blam! Won't shoot the moose and moose. Glump, glump, glump. Roo! Won't spluce. Go drink the water. Splash won't put out snap crackle. Won't burn sticky wicky. Will not womp doggy wuggy. Doggy wuggy will not bite piggy wiggy. Piggy wiggy will not jump over to style. Kaboing! And we will never get home tonight. 
But the kiddums say, I'm kind of tired, old woman, but perhaps if you get me some catnip, maybe I will oblige. Jeez, it's getting dark, say the old woman, but down to the stream her go for her to get the catnip that grow there and her bring back a big faithful for kiddum widdums. No sooner had Kitten Widdums take a big chomp of the face full of catnip and zoing up into the air go Kitten Widdums with a little invisible pinwheel zoing zoing around in the brain the tail sticks straight up and down the road sideways gdum, 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 gdum. her chase ratty nanny ratty nanny start to chew ropey dopey and ropey dopey start to hang the hunter Ugh, and the hunter start to shoot the moose bang bang the moose glum 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 roo start to drink splissy spicy splissy spicy start to put out snap crackle and snap crackle start to burn sticky wicky sticky wicky start to whomp doggy wuggy doggy wuggy start to bite piggy wiggy and piggy wiggy jump over the stile kaboing. And they go home that night after all. Good thing, huh? They sleep in the next morning. <laughs> That's right. They live happy for never afterward if they ain't moved away there, living there still, singing piggy wiggy, wiggy pig, how I dove Give a fig and the pig sing harmony. <laughs> go to show you, you can indeed teach a pig to sing. And that is the end of piggy wiggy, kaboing, kaboing. That's all, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Piggy Wiggy, a story told for you by Maynard Moose, the puppet storytelling companion of storyteller Willie Claflin, recorded before a live audience. And it's such a pleasure to hear Willie's audiences reacting so enthusiastically to those stories. That's half the fun for me. There's a lot more coming up this hour. You're going to hear a story from Dan Kedding called The Gypsy Wagon, a story from the great Chicago storyteller who cut his teeth as a storyteller on stories told to him by his Croatian grandmother. You'll also hear a memory in our Radio Family Journal entry today about my grandfather's Mercedes, the car that he drove all the time I was a kid. It may bring to mind a favorite car or a favorite family member for you. And of course, you'll hear a conversation with Rachel Wadham coming up, a conversation about a story called 10 Ways to Hear Snow. You won't want to miss a word. I'm Sam Payne. You're listening to The Appleseed. We'll be back in a moment. Welcome back to The Appleseed. Here's Sam Payne. It's such a pleasure for me to be with you on today's episode of The Apple Seed. If you're just joining us, a moment ago you heard the fractured fairy tale, Piggy Wiggy, told in front of an enthusiastic audience by Willie Claflin and his storytelling companion, Maynard Moose, the puppet that accompanies Willie to a lot of storytelling gigs and who has a celebrated catalog of storytelling recordings of his very own. Coming up in just a little bit, you're going to hear from Dan Kedding, a story called The Gypsy Wagon, from a collection of stories called The Gypsy Wagon and Other Neighborhood Tales. And you're going to hear a very special presentation of an original radio drama called The Shiny, about a family of flying squirrels in the San Fernando Zoo and the adventure that they have trying to recover the artifact at the center of a rite of passage as a group of flying squirrels passes into adulthood. You're not going to want to miss a word of that. We're going to have a great time with The Shiny coming up in just a little bit. But first, because we know that the sharing of memories can sometimes be the spark that 
that ignites a story for you to share with the people that you love. Here's a memory of mine, a memory about my grandfather's Mercedes-Benz, the car that he drove all the time I was a kid. It's today's entry in the Radio Family Journal. The Radio Family Journal with Sam Payne, a tiny little story for you and your family, right when you need it, on the Appleseed. My grandpa Pappas, as I've mentioned sometimes here, was a prisoner of war in World War II. I may tell more of that story sometime, but right now I mention it only in relationship to the way he got his car, the car that was his main car all through my childhood. There was the old Ford Grand Torino in a garage, of course. I have no idea when that car came into the family, probably about the same time that man first walked on the moon, 1969. But in, oh, 1981 or so, when I was in the third or fourth grade, my grandpa took my grandma and my Aunt Anne, my Aunt Anne was just finished with high school, and went to Europe to trace my grandpa's movements as a soldier in the war. And when they got there, they bought a tan Mercedes-Benz sedan. They drove that car all through Europe and then had it shipped to the United States, where it became the car that I associated with just about every interaction with my grandparents. He taught us to treat it carefully. No feet on the seats, no playing with the ashtrays, no random operation of the power windows. This was the first car we'd ever met that had power windows. And when we slammed the doors, which we invariably, thoughtlessly did, he told us, what do you think this is? He'd bark at us, a Ford? We didn't know exactly what he meant by that, but we knew that the Mercedes must be something special. More special, for example, than the Ford Econoline van that served as our family car for about as many years as my grandpa drove the Mercedes. When I think of that car, whenever I think about camping, my grandpa lived in California, but he loved to visit our house in Utah for the mountains. And every time he visited, it seemed we'd go camping. And in every photo of every camping trip, there's the tan Mercedes Benz in the background. It's in the background of my memory as I think about the trip to Bryce Canyon National Park we made, just my grandpa and grandma and my brother Joe and me. We made camp and walked to the canyon rim and looked down into that maze of rock spires and hoodoos and at night looked up into the darkest sky filled with the brightest stars I'd ever seen. And that Mercedes-Benz sat guarding our little camp until we drove it home. Later, I think of that car as part of the biggest road trip we ever took as little kids from Alpine, Utah to Duluth, Minnesota for the Matson family reunion, my grandmother's people. We took two cars, my grandfather's Benz and our McConaline van. And sometimes one or another of us kids would ride in the Benz with grandma and grandpa, and sometimes we'd ride in the van tracking the taillights of the Mercedes, which were always there in front of us about a quarter mile down the road. Along the way, we stayed at campgrounds. We've got photos of a campground outside of Cheyenne, and there's the Benz in the background. We've got photos of a campground at Mount Rushmore. There's us cooking food on a Coleman camp stove, and there's the Benz in the background. We've got a photo of us hanging out at Wall Drug and driving by the Corn Palace, a drive we'll never forget, us kids. A car we'll never forget. And every time we got out of the car, it seemed, my grandfather's big voice, what do you think this is, a Ford? (laughs) 
Well, the truth is, I began to think about this as a story about camping trips, not about cars. There are a lot of camping memories that we share because of those visits from my grandparents. I remember my grandma coming back from the KOA store with a pack of Oscar Mayer hot dogs that had cheese in them, right in the hot dog. And I remember my brother's reaction to that. He hates cheese. He did then, and he still does today. Nobody could believe how much he hated cheese, especially grandma and grandpa. I remember one night camping in the Wasatch Mountains when sometime during the night our camp was raided by thieves. The most exciting thing that had ever happened to us, for sure. So, again, it surprised me as I began thinking about camping trips that the car loomed so large in those camping memories. But there it is, that good old tan Mercedes. It didn't last forever, the Mercedes era, but it did last until I was in college. About then, my grandpa sold the Mercedes, which was still in pretty good shape, and got something else. The era was at an end. Come to think of it, I don't think we ever went camping together after that. Camping, oddly, had been for the Mercedes era. Photos and memories by the carload are all that we have left. By the way, it might do here to mention that the new car, the one he drove for years and years after the Mercedes left us, was a Taurus. You know, a Ford. The Radio Family Journal of Sam Payne. A tiny little story for you and your family. Right when you need it, on the Appleseed. A memory of my grandfather and his car. Thanks for joining us for that entry in the Radio Family Journal. My grandfather's long gone, long since passed away, but a legacy of stories remains, and you can bet that we tell those stories around the kitchen table or the living room or the campfire. And we always hope that the stories that we bring you here on the show spark the same kind of memories for you. Share them with us by sending an email to us at theappleseed at byu.edu. Again, that's theappleseed at byu.edu. Edu. Lots coming up in just a little bit. You're going to hear a radio drama called The Shiny that you're really going to love. We're excited to bring it to you. It's something special here on the Appleseed. But first, how about a conversation with a friend? Great stories come into our lives in so many ways. The food experiences that we have can be rich wells of memory and story. Great films that we see. Certainly radio programs that we hope are a part of your storytelling landscape. And of course, the great books that we bring into our lives and into our hearts. We love to chat about all of those ways that storytelling comes into our hearts and into our minds. And we love to do it with friends. I'm thrilled to be joined by Rachel Wadham, our old friend Rachel Wadham, the Education and Juvenile Collections Librarian at Brigham Young University. And if there is a book that Rachel doesn't know about, I want to know what it is. Rachel, it's great to have you with me. Well, thank you, Sam. You're such a flatterer. (laughs) (laughs) We have had in the past such great conversations about not only the content of great books, but also some of the memories that come from that content. Some of the things that kind of spring into our minds as we read those great stories. And the book that we're going to talk about today is no exception. We're going to talk a little bit about the picture book, 10 Ways to Hear Snow. Tell us about this book. Oh, this is such a beautiful book. It's by Kathy Camper and illustrated by Kennard Peck. And 
It is just gorgeous. What happens in this story is a young girl wakes up in the morning and it has snowed. <laughs> and of course, she is very excited about the snow, but she's also going to her grandmother's house. And so they're going to make their very favorite dish together. And so she wants to get to her grandmother's house to have this time together with her. So she starts out and she's going to walk in the snow down to her grandmother's house. And as she goes down the path, she hears all of the things that are happening, right? The shoveling of the snow mm. and the kids patting the snowman to put him together and the thump of the snowball when her friends hit her with a snowball. <laughs> and she hears all of these beautiful sounds and she catalogs it as she goes long and says, these are all the ways I'm hearing the snow. Huh. And it's just beautiful. I love that kind of sensory experience with this yeah. book that sometimes we don't think of snow as a hearing sensory experience, but it really can be. And when she arrives at her grandmother's house, we find that her grandmother actually is blind. And wow. so she doesn't have the ability to see the snow, but she can hear the snow too. And so after they make their favorite dish together and eat their favorite dish, they go out and listen to the snow. I mean, that is such a beautiful, beautiful book. And for me, it just brings up some just really vivid and heartfelt memories. When I was growing up in Utah, we used to have huge snowstorms. We don't have them anymore. <laughs> we don't, it doesn't snow as much as it used to. I'll um, tell you, Rachel, though, every time it does snow, I get as excited as I got. I when know. I was well, that lovely kind of sense of childhood wonder, right? And I remember vividly some winters where it snowed so much that it was taller than me, yeah. right? And I also remember vividly there was one winter where it kind of melted a little bit. And because of that, the ice fell off of our roof of our house. And it just made these beautiful kind of ice sculptures just right on the edge of our house. And it was, it was dripping off into the bushes. I just vividly see these really vivid experiences that I had as a child, right? Of these snow experiences. And additionally, I was very privileged to live near a set of grandparents as I grew yeah. up. And I always, whenever it snowed, my grandfather would either come to our house or we would go down to his house and build a snowman. That was just one of those things that had always mm -hmm. happened in the winter. And I just have these vivid memories of, you know, rolling the snowballs with my grandfather and, you know, the feel of my scratchy, you know, those scratchy kid gloves that we had in the seventies, right. <laughs> that, that were, that were made out of itchy wool, right, yes. <laughs> you know, and I just love that sense because so much of our experience is fully sensory, yeah. right? Yeah. It's not just that we see things or we hear things or we feel things, but we do all of that together. And I love how when I have stories like this, not only does it bring up the beautiful feelings and emotions and joy that I had playing yeah. in the snow and, and my lovely connection with my grandfather and my love for him. But it also brings up these kind of sensory experiences, right? Feeling the cold on my face and yeah. those scratchy wool gloves and, <laughs> and, you know, hearing the ice crack off the roof of the house and all of those beautiful things. And I, I just love that. I love that when stories not only bring up memories, but they also bring up these rich sensory experiences yeah, that you have I, with them. 
You know, as you're talking about it, I am reminded that so often it's not just the story in the book that becomes important. It's not just the images that you're looking at, but it's the conversation that that story and those images are having with your own life experiences, you know, as you sort of allow yourself to come out of the story long enough to sort of think about some of the things that are happening to you and some of the memories that it's bringing back to your heart and to your mind. That can make for a really magical reading experience. It it? certainly does. I know that the reality for me is that when we look at these kinds of experiences, there is this kind of sense of we're engaging with the story. And there is actually a literary theory. It's called reader response theory. If we want to go go down the more technical (laughs) path, um, there's these theories that say, you know, what the reader brings to the book and what the experience the reader has with the book is almost as important as what the author has to offer with the book. And I think that that is truly part of this, right? It is a co-creation. When we read a book or we hear a story, we are co-creating meaning with the teller of that story. And what is the meaning that you make is different because your experience, Sam, with snow and your grandparents is is very different than the ones that I had. (laughs) So even you reading this book would come away with a different kind of sensory memory than I did. And even yeah. even as we've talked here, I, I've had a dozen memories that I'm just kind of hankering to go and share with my wife and our daughter. And there and you go. And that's <laughs> go what it's about. Right? Yeah. <laughs> it's such a pleasure to chat with Rachel Wadham. We've been talking about 10 ways to hear snow. Rachel, thanks so much for joining us. My pleasure, Sam. Great stories come into our lives in so many ways. A pleasure to chat with Rachel Wadham. We'll be sure to have her back. In just a moment, you're going to hear an original radio drama about a family of flying squirrels in the San Fernando Zoo and an adventure that they share. You're not going to want to miss a word. I'm Sam Payne. You're listening to The Appleseed. We'll be back in a moment. Welcome back to The Appleseed. Here's Sam Payne. It's such a pleasure for me to be with you on today's episode of The Appleseed. If you're just joining us, a moment ago we had a conversation with Rachel Wadham about a book called Ten Ways to Hear Snow. And before that, an entry in the Radio Family Journal about my grandfather's Mercedes. And at the top of the hour, Willie Claflin's storytelling companion Maynard Moose with Piggy Wiggy, a fantastically funny fractured fairy tale. Now up next, we've got an original radio drama for you about a family of flying squirrels and the adventure that they have. The actors in this radio drama were directed by none other than our very own producer, Jeff Simpson. And uh, the radio drama features a lot of voices from right here among our BYU radio family. It was written by Sam Forsey, one of the writers for the popular comedy sketch show Studio C. And in this story, two young flying squirrels named Sam and Jack find that the rite of passage that will lead them and their friends into adulthood as flying squirrels is somehow, shall we say, disrupted. Can Sam and Jack retrieve the mysterious shiny and save the flying squirrel grown-up initiation ceremony? It's a tale of courage in the face of fear and of trusting others and of learning that things are not always as they appear and also about knowing in the end that you can do the hard things that will turn you into what you will become. It's our pleasure to bring you the shiny here on the Appleseed. Oh, my God. 
I'm Autumn the Orangutan. Welcome to the San Fernando Zoo. People and persons of all sizes and shapes come here to see our habitats at home. Our bananas are pretty good too. The San Fernando Zoo is full of tales. And not just the tales of animals, but tales about animals. Although I suppose some of the tales about animals also involve the tales of animals. <laughs> Anyway, back to the stories. Now, sit back, relax, and enjoy this exciting adventure of two flying squirrels on the verge of growing up. Sam! Hurry! We're gonna be late! Quit jumping, Jack! You're gonna bounce me right out of the tree! I'm sorry, I'm just so excited. We're two years old. We finally get to see the shiny and taste the drink inside. <gasps> we'll be grown-ups. Are you ready? All right. All right, I'm ready. Great, let's go. Jack! I'm going. Ugh, always jump first and think later. I still get nervous jumping into the air. It seems safer to keep my feet planted on solid branch. Okay. One, two, three! Yeah! <laughs> Sam, you made it. Aw, was little Sammy scared to jump off her branch? Ugh, Seth, leave her alone. She's a glider afraid to glide, but maybe you were too dumb to notice that, Jack. Jack's not dumb, and I'm not afraid. I'm just cautious. Look before you leap as a squirrel singing for a reason. Whatever you say, scaredy squirrel girl. I still think there should be some kind of gliding test before you can taste the shiny then you'd never get to be a grown-up. I'm good at gliding. I just... I start slow sometimes. That's okay, then. You'll just always be in last place. And I'll make sure you never forget it, even when we're grown-ups. See you later, little Sammy Scared Squirrel Girl. <laughs> what a punk bully. He's right, though. I am scared every time. But you still jump. That kind of means you're brave. Brave for gliding. That's like saying a fish is brave for swimming. Huh. I hadn't thought. Do you think some fish are afraid of drowning? Let's just get inside. Gather round. Gather round. Welcome, young flying squirrels, to your initiation into... Adulthood! As you all know, I am Gladys Glider. This year, the shiny is red. It has the word cola on it, and its nectar is a rich brown. By taking a sip, you show that you are ready to become an adult and accept those responsibilities. Are you ready? I'll reveal the shiny in three, two, one. Quiet! Quiet, everybody! Calm down. Quiet. What happened to the shiny? It was right here. What to do? If I don't get to taste the nectar, I am going to get really angry. Relax, Seth, my boy. Relax. We'll figure something out. No. I need to be a grown-up. 
Oh, there's always a new shiny eventually. I guess we just wait? That could take forever. I can't be stuck as a little kid, scaredy squirrel girl. Seth would be right. Uh, it's okay to be scared. You'll just have to uh, learn to ignore Seth. Forever. That wouldn't be so bad. That sounds pretty bad to me. All right. Well, for now, everybody just return to your homes and... Hey, Sam and me will go get a new one. Who said that? Jack? Yeah, right. Only Jack's skull is thick enough to think that scared to squirrel Sam would leave the habitat. She can barely leave her own branch. <laughs> we can do it. <laughs> now, now, children. Seth is right. It's much too dangerous for you. There are owls out there. You know what those monstrous creatures do to flying squirrels? Everyone, go home. Hey, Sam, are you okay? She said Seth was right. She just meant about going into the zoo, not about everything else. How do you know? Maybe everyone's right and I can't do it. No way. I was serious about what I said earlier. You are brave. Even if you're scared while you're being brave. <laughs> okay, sure. I'm brave while I'm scared, and you're smart while you're dumb. I'm not dumb. If you don't believe me when I say we can do it, I'll prove you wrong and do it by myself. Jack, stop! That's not what I meant! Oh, man, oh, man, what am I gonna do? Jack, slow down! Come back here! And so Sam heads out into the night, hot on the tail of her friend. Before long, she finds herself in the domain of Lumbaba, the king. Jack! <laughs> I didn't think I'd catch up. You're a fast climber. Well, you can't glide if you never climb. Yeah, yeah, whatever. You proved your point. Okay, we ran around the zoo at night, and we're both still alive. Let's go home. Not until we find a new shiny. Ugh. Where are we, anyway? We're right above the lion's den. Lions? Are you crazy? <sighs> Lumbaba is the king of the zoo. That means he has to help us. I'm gonna go down there and talk to him. <sighs> oh, man. If I die, I'm gonna kill him. <sighs> Sam, these lions are huge. I'm smaller than their paws. Are they all asleep? Maybe. <laughs> this is my first time in a lion's den. Whoa. Do you think lions eat squirrels? I think we're too small to even be considered a snack. I hope you're right. I think this one is Lumbaba. Um. <clears throat> Mr. Lumbaba? Sir? Excuse me. Mr. King? Hey! Wake up! Who dares to disturb me, Lumbaba, king of the San Fernando Zoo? It, it, it was us, your majesty. And who are you? Uh, a squirrel, your highness, and... I am not to meet with the emissary of the squirrels for a full moon. What is the meaning of this? Um, uh, uh, Speak! Uh, well, your majesty, our shiny went missing. Your... Shiny? Um, yeah. It's shiny, and it helps us become grown-ups, which is good, and... 
Depart at once and pray that I do not hold this offense against the entire flying squirrel clan. Uh, okay, your kingliness, but, but the shiny. No! Hurry, Sam! Find the rock, quick! Life flashed before my eyes. I was so funny and smart and handsome, and I don't want to die. We tried and almost died. Can we just go home? Seth will never believe it. That means other people won't either. You'll still be scared, and I'll still be stupid. Forget about him. He's gonna keep being a bully no matter what. Wait, wait a second. Jack, let's go Shh, home. Look, look, look down there. Can you see it? See what? Oh, jeez. Oh, That's an owl. We gotta get out of here. It's holding something shiny. Oh, yeah, it is. Owls hate squirrels, and we hate them. If we can get the drop on this one and take her shiny, we would be legends. You'd have to be pretty smart and brave to best an owl. Jack, no, it's too dangerous. You followed me. Ugh. If you're too scared to help now, then don't. Ugh. If I die, I'm gonna be so mad. What are you doing? Get off of me. You owls stole our shiny, and now we're taking yours. Leave me alone. She's trying to fly away. Hold on. We can't let her get away. They warned me about you pesky rats. The owls are the pesky ones. Try to hold on when I do. Yeah. I'm slipping. I'm all twisted up! If I spread on my fly fur and I'm facing the wrong way, I'll just drop faster! I don't know what to do! Uh, okay, 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 Three, two, one! Sam spreads out her flying fur in the nick of time. Have you heard the saying, out of the frying pan, into the fire? Though she lands safely, Sam has arrived in the proverbial belly of the beast, where she is in real danger of ending up in the actual belly of an actual beast. Where am I? It's so warm and, and wet. Weird, this rock is really warm. Whoa. Is it alive? Hello? Rock? Okay, so no on the talking rock thing. That's a relief, at least. <laughs> oh, dumb Jack. If he'd just listened, we'd be safe, snuggled up in our own branches right now. Huh? Uh, did that wall just move? Wait. Oh, it's surrounding me! So a sneaky little thief, eh? Yes, that's kind of my thing uh, as a boa constrictor. A boa constrictor? Yes, we squeeze until we're ready to eat. But tell me, if you're not a thief, why are you here? I don't know. The shiny was lost, and then Jack said I could be brave, but I said he was dumb, even though he's my best friend. And everyone laughed, and we just wanted everyone to like us. And now I'm going to die to a snake, and he's going to die to owls. Thief. What? You're 
you're letting me go? You're not gonna eat me? You're just fur and bone. Uh, besides, I'm already full and I'm sleepy. You woke me from a lovely dream. Oh, sorry. Uh, thanks for not eating me. You're welcome. And little one? Y yeah. Stop worrying about what everyone else thinks. Normal behavior from little animals is why my belly is full right now. Okay, um, thanks. <laughs> See you around. Better that you don't. I'm usually more cranky when I wake up. Quickly creeping away from the carnivorous constrictor, Sam thinks about the wise words she heard from the silver-tongued serpent. Maybe fitting in isn't all it's cracked up to be. As these thoughts race through her mind, Sam races towards Jack. After all, even if you learn an important lesson, you don't leave your friend with the owls. I made it. They're stuck in that nest. Oh, he looks okay. No, they're coming, they're coming. Not again. Give me back my friend, you ugly owl. Sam! I'm here, Jack. I'm saving Sam, you. Sam, I'm fine. Get your friend off me. I'm not letting go this time. Sam, stop, stop. Audrey's a friend. What? Turns out we were wrong about owls. The zoo gives them lots of food. They don't want to eat us. But they kidnapped you. Huh. I mean, we did jump on her back. Sorry about that again, Audrey. It's fine. I get it. I'd be upset about losing a shiny, too. She loves shinies, Sam, just like us. I'm still confused. Everyone said you owls were evil. Ugh. Just because someone or a lot of someone say or think something doesn't make it true. <sighs> People were wrong about me, too. So, Audrey knows about a place with tons of shinies. You know what, Jack? I've doubted you all night. I'm sorry. If you say you know how to get a shiny, I trust you. All right, let's go. Hop on, I'll take you there. Woo! Flying is a lot more fun when the pilot isn't trying to kill you. Yeah, it's nice knowing I won't fall into another boa constrictor. A boa? Dude. Lions, boas, owls? What a night! See those blue bits down there? They're full of shinies. We just grab one? It's that easy? Not tonight. Look, a human. He's gonna take all the shinies, too. We can't sneak past a human. This one's different. Watch. What are those horrible noises he's making? Part of shiny collection ritual? We gotta get one before he takes them all. I'll distract him. You guys grab a shiny and signal me. Are you sure? Yeah, I'm pretty good at this. Thanks, Audrey. And sorry, again. Don't worry about it. I'm just happy to have two new friends. Hey, Sam? Uh, about tonight... I'm sorry I said you were dumb. I was just scared you'd get hurt. Yeah, I know. Thanks, Sam. Sorry I ran out here and put you in danger. Don't worry about it. An owl? How'd you get out of here? Oh, jeez, Louise. Come here, pretty owl. Come here, pretty owl. Back to your cage. Back to your cage. He's distracted. Let's go. There's a million shinies in here. We died and went to shiny heaven. After this crazy night, maybe we are dead. Yeah, maybe. Uh, but let's grab a shiny in case you're still alive. Oh, this one smells really good. 
ro ro ra to ear. It says ro to beer. <laughs> okay, grab it real tight. Now we signal. Audrey! You guys good? Yeah. Great swooping pickup. There's my branch. This set us down right there. We made it. <laughs> home sweet home. Audrey, you are so great. Hey, so before we bring this down, should we taste it? I mean, we kind of earned it. <laughs> oh, you guys picked a good one. Oh, my tongue is on fire with sugar. I guess we're officially wow. grown-ups. <laughs> I don't feel different. I feel different. But not from drinking this. I've spent so much time worrying about what other people seem to think of me, and now that just seems silly. I feel like a weight has been lifted off me. <laughs> or maybe that weight was why you were scared of gliding. <laughs> it probably didn't help. <laughs> Aha! There you are. I knew you dumb, scaredy squirrels were just hiding up here. And. <laughs> Well, I guess we're all scaredy squirrels sometimes. <laughs> That's okay. And so ends the tale of our two friends, Sam and Jack. Until next time, I'm Autumn the Orangutan. Thank you for visiting the San Fernando Zoo. can of cola. Pesky flying squirrels must have snuck it into their habitat and then it fell out the back. Oh well, at least I found it. Then The Shiny, a tale produced right here at the Appleseed Studio. We hope you enjoyed listening to it as much as we enjoyed bringing it to you. Autumn the Orangutan in that story was played by Lisa Valentine Clark, the host of The Lisa Show, one of the other fine programs, part of the BYU Radio family of programs, of which the Appleseed is also a part. Now, as you think about the adventure you just had, think about Sam, who was timid at first, always thinking that the other flying squirrels were more capable than she was of doing the hard and unexpected things that would save the Flying Squirrel Clan and restore order there in the San Fernando Zoo. And it didn't help her to be taunted by Seth, that little bully of a squirrel. Chances are you know someone a little like Sam. Heck, chances are that you know someone a little like Seth, too, and Jack and the rest. And what it all means is that while the story of the shiny was mostly just a lot of fun, it's also a story that might give you something to talk about. That's the way stories work. They can provide the language we need to talk about things in our real lives. Now, our last story for you today comes from the great Dan Kedding, the Chicago area storyteller. And in this personal tale from his childhood, Dan talks about the green grapes his grandmother used to buy from the gypsy wagon that came to their street and the great love he and the other neighborhood kids had for the old draft horse that pulled it. Here's the gypsy wagon by storyteller Dan Kedding here on the Appleseed. Seed. <laughs> 
When I was a boy growing up in Chicago, summer was a time of adventure. There were countless baseball games to be played, bicycles to be ridden in endless journeys down alleys, and movies to be watched in the cool, dark theaters. Those temples to Hollywood, with uniformed ushers and live swans floating in reflection pools in the lobby. Summer was filled with books from the library, and Saturday morning, with old Errol Flynn movies on TV. But one of my favorite times of the summer was Tuesday, about 10 o'clock in the morning. It was then that my grandmother would buy me one pound of green grapes. I'd wash them at the spigot at the side of the house. Now any kid will tell you that the water that comes out there is colder and tastes better than the water in the kitchen. I would sit on the back steps and peel each grape one by one. Then I would eat the peels and then the grapes. The peels were sour, but the grapes were twice as sweet. A lot like life. But that wasn't the best part. Noni would buy the grapes from the gypsies. These men would come down the alleys and sell fruits and vegetables to all the mothers and grandmothers. They wore red silk bandanas on their heads, golden earrings, and they cut up the fruit for us to taste with long, sharp knives. They knew everyone's language. They spoke to my grandmother in Croatian, the lady across the alley in Italian, the woman down the block in Polish, and the lady on the corner in Yiddish. They knew every language in the world, or so it seemed. They told us kids stories as they weighed the produce, stories about brave warriors and beautiful princesses, putting each of our names in the story, always making each of us the hero. But that wasn't the best part. The best part was the horse. Their wagon was pulled by a horse. Now living on the south side of Chicago meant we didn't see a lot of farm animals. And this was a real horse, a big old draft horse. She wore a straw hat on her head, holes cut out for the ears. Her feet were like platters, and she had a sway back. The gypsies told us that all great horses had backs like that. Once, when I was watching TV, I saw the Lone Ranger take off Silver's saddle, and I yelled for Noni to come and see how deformed Silver looked with his straight back. All of us kids saved sugar cubes from restaurants and apples and bits of bread for that horse all week long. Many of the times my grandmother found food for the horse in my pants' pocket, sometimes after she'd already washed them. We waited each Tuesday around ten at the top of the alley. Now the unwritten rule was that you could only be with the horse in your alley on your block, and we all abided by that rule. We waited, and when they crossed the street to our block, she was all ours. The older kids got to hold the reins, and they smelled of saddle soap. The men would tell us how to get her to walk and how to make her stop, and it felt so wonderful, so magical, to be up on that wagon driving the big horse from house to house. Sometimes the little kids got to ride on her back, and with her back the way it was, they could never really hurt themselves if they fell off. The drop wasn't that far to the ground. That horse was special, a link to the old ways that our families had left far behind, like the man who bicycled his way through the neighborhood, calling out for the people to bring him knives and scissors to sharpen, or the old Latin mass my grandmother went to each and every morning 
or the stories the old ones told over coffee or over the back fence. The first Tuesday of one summer, one year, we're all waiting for the gypsies to come down the alley. But when they came into view, the horse was gone, and they were driving an old flatbed Ford truck. We just stood there, disappointed, knowing that something very important had been taken away. I never went to see the gypsies after that. Noni still bought me my green grapes, and I still washed them at the side of the house, and I still peeled them one by one. But it was different. But sometimes, when the summer afternoons got lazy and warm, I'd daydream of an old sway-back mare with a straw hat and huge hoofs, grazing in a field, waiting for me. Maybe she's still waiting. I hope so. Dan Kedding with the Gypsy Wagon here on the Appleseed. Such a pleasure to have been with you during this hour, bringing you tales. I'm Sam Payne. Our producer is Jeff Simpson, and I can't wait to join you again. Thanks for joining us for an hour of stories, music, and conversation made for you and your family and brought to you by the Appleseed. The show is a production of BYU Radio. We'll see you next time.